0: So that's exactly why the Bible declares there's an unrighteous, no, not one, because we were all born in sin. Sin was passed down to us from the beginning when Adam and Eve sinned. Well, happy Mother's Day to you. Uh, We were in Chronicles last week, but we're going to take a pause, and we're going to be in Judges today. And I, I read something this week that made me want to talk to you today about Deborah and I wanted to do this specifically because it is Mother's Day and this is in keeping believe it or not with what we've been talking about so we've been talking about revival and so open your Bible to Judges the fourth chapter Now, to give you a little bit of context, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. So there is a chronology there in those books of the Bible, Genesis being the beginning. And we have the story of the Exodus, 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, then the children of Israel go into the land, Remember, it was not Moses, but it was Joshua who led them into the land. Moses did not go into the promised land. He went up on the mountain and he saw the promised land, but he didn't go into the promised land. So Joshua, Yeshua, see the relationship there? Or if we were going to transliterate Joshua's name from Hebrew to English, it would be Jesus, Yeshua. That was Jesus' Hebrew name. It was Yahshua or Joshua that led them into the promised land. And so when Joshua died and when that generation had all passed away, the book of Judges tells us that Israel forgot the Lord. And they forgot the ways of the Lord and they reverted back to their sin and their idolatry. In Judges chapter 4, We're introduced to one of the judges. Let's read. I'm just going to read to you. I'm not going to read the whole story. I'm going to read to you uh, just the first few verses. Judges chapter 4, verse 1. When Ehud was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So what we see here, and this is what Judges tells us, that as a judge would be raised up by the Lord, he would lead the people to repentance and deliverance. And for a time, they would serve the Lord. But when that judge died, when he passed on, then they would fall back into sin. And this was, this was the pattern that we see throughout the book of Judges. And so Ehud was this judge that died, and the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 2, so the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazar. And commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Heresheth. Hagom and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Look at verse three. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord for Jabin had nine hundred chariots of iron and and 20 and for 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. We just read it in the children's story that sin and this is what the Bible teaches us. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but the end of it is death. Your sinfulness, your sinful lifestyle may seem pleasing. It may be exactly what you want. It may fulfill you and, and you think there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. it it's great. God, I'm going to do it my way like Frank Sinatra used to sing. But the Bible says that may be so for a while. It may be pleasurable for a while. But there is always a reckoning and the end of sin is death. And so the children of Israel returned to their sinfulness and God sold them to this harsh king. And for 20 years he oppressed them and the oppression became so unbearable that out of desperation, what did the children of Israel do? They cried out to the Lord. He had harshly oppressed them, the children of Israel, so they cried out to the Lord. Verse 4, Now Deborah, A prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Verse 6. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh and Naphtali, And said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor? Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and of the sons of Zebulun. And then the rest of it chronicles the battle and how they defeated the evil king and they won the victory. But that's not really the point of my story today. Now look over in the next verse. So at the end of the day, at the end of that victory, so they go out, they defeat Jabin, they defeat the Canaanites. Deborah and Barak sing this song. It's where our call to worship came from today. Let me just read to you the first eight verses. Judges chapter 5, Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Benoam, sang on that day, saying, When leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens poured. The clouds also poured water. The mountains gushed before the Lord. This Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel, in the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted and the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. They chose new gods. Then there was war in the gates. Not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with the rulers of Israel who offered themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. So Deborah was this judge. Now, I don't want you to get the idea that she's not like, a justice of the peace where people brought their civil disputes to, and she told everybody what they needed to do. I'm not saying that that could not have happened, but I want you to understand when it says that she judged Israel, she wasn't just a JP holding JP court every day under her palm tree. She judged Israel. Where did she judge? She judged between Ramah, and Bethel. Ramah means the high place or the hill. And the children of Israel, it says, would go up to her. The language is the same as saying they would go up to the high places to offer sacrifices to the idols. Bethel means house of God. Bethel, house of God. She set between Ramah, the high place, and Bethel the house of God in the mountains of Ephraim. And the people, it said Israel would come to her and she judged Israel at that time. So I want you to understand that Deborah was set in place by the grace of God as a ruler in Israel. And obviously something has gone awry here. The priesthood has is not doing its job. They didn't go to the tabernacle. They didn't go to the house of God. They didn't go to the ark. They didn't go to the priest. They went to Deborah because the priesthood had fallen into sin and idolatry. And she sat between the house of God and the high place and Israel would come and she would judge them. And what does that mean? It means that Israel came and they inquired of her what they should do. The Bible calls her a prophetess. It gives her this title, which carries with it authority. Now what's interesting, it doesn't show us that Deborah went out leading the army with her sword, fighting in the battle with her sword. I don't know whether she did or didn't. It doesn't tell us that she did. It says Barak, and that name Barak means lightning or glittering sword. Barak was the guy. When she said it's time to set things right, she sent for and called Barak. And she told Barak, she said, go and gather the armies of Naphtali. Go and gather the armies and go against our enemies. And Barak did that. Barak led the armies and God gave the victory to Barak in the children of Israel. Now in this song, this song that Deborah and Barak sing show us something interesting. Look at verse six. In the days of Shamgar, Shamgar was a judge, and the Bible says Shamgar took a, he took an ox goad and he with an ox goad slayed hundreds of men. That's his claim to fame. And he delivered Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, and in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted and the travelers walked along the byways. That word highway means exactly what you picture in your mind. It's a broad, wide open, cleared out path, free of obstacles. When you get on the highway to go to Austin, you just inherently expect there's not going to be any obstacles. You're not going to have to drive through rivers of water. You're not going to have to drive around big boulders and through ditches and trees. It's not a narrow, windy path. It's a highway. Well, in the days preceding Deborah... When she became the judge, people didn't travel the highways because it was too dangerous. People didn't live in villages because it was too dangerous. If they needed to go somewhere, they went the byways, the narrow, windy, hidden back roads that weren't traveled as much. Why? Because the enemies of Israel camped out on the highways. And when they saw people traveling on the highways, they would rob them. They would accost them they would harass them and it was to the point that they couldn't even live in their villages because they were constantly harassed so this is the environment that deborah judged israel in this is the environment of the nation when she came to power now how did the nation get to be that way why was there such lawlessness why was there such violence why was there such injustice in the nation it was because the nation turned from the lord and turned back to the idols and the false gods that god commanded them not to worship so you see this pattern why why did israel continuously go back to their idolatry or the writer of ecclesiastes says basically History will always repeat itself. Why will history always repeat itself? Well, here's what Judges tells us, that when that generation that served God all passed away, the following generations forgot they didn't know the Lord, and what did they return to? They returned to their sin. Why do we always return to our sin? Here's, here's the point of our children's story today. Here's... Here's a point that the Bible clearly teaches us. We go back to our sin because we are inherently sinful. We can't become not sinful just by modifying our behavior. Now, if somebody, children, one of the little boys in a moment of blatant honesty. Thank you for being so honest. He says, I'm grounded. Now, children... We've all been children, right? The oldest here, can you remember being a child? Listen, if your parents make life miserable enough for you, you will obey them. But but your obedience, you will modify your behavior if they make life miserable enough for you. But the modification of your behavior and your obedience is not... Necessarily signifying that there's been a true heart change. It might just be that you're tired of being miserable, so I'm just going to do this, even though I don't really want to do it, because it's the lesser of two evils. Boy, we like to use that a lot, don't we? Well, when I vote this November, I'm just going to vote for the lesser of two evils. Really? Don't ever choose evil. Because evil is evil. And even though we can modify our behavior because we're tired of the oppression of evil, it doesn't necessarily mean our hearts has been changed. This is exactly what we see with Israel. Oh, the Canaanite king is so mean. He's so hard. It's terrible. We, our lives are horrible now. I know. Let's try crying out to the God of our fathers and see if that works. And God brought deliverance. So you see, this is the environment that Deborah ruled Israel in. And in verse 7, she says, village life ceased, it ceased in Israel until, until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. Deborah, a mother in Israel. Deborah means be. Yeah, like the ones that will sting you. Be. It's the Hebrew word for be. It's a word that's constructed from other Hebrew words that seems to convey systematic, instinctively systematic, Movement or systematic instincts or orderly motion. Bees may seem like they don't have much order in their motion, but I promise you, if you study bees, everything about a bee is orderly, everything a bee does is instinctful. And when you talk about systematic instincts and orderly motion, those are two important traits for a leader. Deborah had both of these in operation by the Spirit of God. She was called in verse 4 of chapter 4 a prophetess. It also tells us that she was the wife of Lapidoth. The word Lapidoth means firebrand or burning lamp. I think it's important that the Bible tells us that Deborah was a wife. So it tells us two things about Deborah. It tells us she was a wife, and it tells us that she was a mother in Israel. It doesn't tell us whether she had biological children or how many she had, but it does tell us she was a wife, and it tells us that she was a mother in Israel. And the fact that she was a wife and she judged Israel tells us something about, I believe, the relationship. That she had with her husband. Now, what's interesting when you consider that Deborah was a woman and she was a judge is really a unique situation because women are not typically seen in in a biblical context in this role. So the fact that she was a woman is unique, not because women are not capable leaders. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. It's not that women are not capable leaders. But because this is outside of the biblical norm and the role that God ordained women to play in the family and within society. By the way, that role, we're talking today on Mother's Day We're talking about women and mothers. This woman, this wife, called a mother in Israel, ruled this nation, oversaw the deliverance of this nation. It was unique. She's the only woman judge that's listed in the Bible, that's named in the Bible. But I think this gives us a picture of God's grace, that God in his grace uniquely raised up this woman to teach us something. There's not anything in the Bible there by accident. Everything in the Bible is there to teach us. Remember, I say this all the time. I'm going to remind you again. If we could boil the Bible down to one subject, that one subject would be Christ. And so you can't have a character like Deborah and it not reveal Christ to us. If Christ is revealed, what must also be revealed along with Christ? His body. Who is the body of Christ? The church is the body of Christ. So as much as our culture wants to do it, as much as many Christians want to separate Christ from the church, you can't separate Christ from the church. You can't separate the head from the body. If you do, you, you've just you've just killed it you destroyed it. So Jesus and his body, Jesus and his bride, Jesus and his church are married. They are one and they cannot be separated. Cannot be. So there is a picture here with Deborah that is a picture of the church. Deborah gives us a picture of the church who will judge the world. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 2 Paul says do you not know that the church the saints will judge the world but the judgment of the world by the church is not in the church's own authority the judgment that will be committed to the church is under the authority of the one true judge that is the Lord himself he is the head we are the body Deborah did not judge Israel in her own authority. I believe the Bible gives us the detail, the very small detail, that she was the wife of Lapidoth because she was a woman under authority. She was under the authority of her husband, and she was under the authority of God. And she ruled in that authority. She didn't rule out of order. She didn't rule out of authority. She ruled within the authority that God had set up. God, the ruler, the the ultimate authority. Paul writes in Ephesians that the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Husbands, you are to love your wives the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. No woman would have a problem submitting to a husband who loved her the way Christ loves the church. So the responsibility, the chief responsibility there falls on who? It falls on us, men. So we see this picture of Deborah under authority ruling the nation. In Christ, the church has become a royal priesthood. Deborah was acting as ruler and priest of the nation. She herself did not bring the deliverance by her own hand, but she saw the deliverance and the salvation of God wrought by her obedience and her submission to God and her call that the nation submit. To God, The church does not deliver by its own hand. Christ is our deliverer, but the deliverance and the salvation that Christ brings does not come apart from the church or the body of Christ. The church has been entrusted to declare the gospel, and the gospel is the power of God to salvation. That's what Paul writes in Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for the gospel is The power of God to salvation for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So God delivers men by the preaching of the gospel. Now let's go to this verse 7 of chapter 5 where Deborah makes this declaration. Until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel... Deborah arose a mother in Israel. And here's where I want to talk about mothers and motherhood. Deborah arose a mother in Israel. What happened when she arose as a mother in Israel? It says that there was restoration. It says that there was deliverance brought. There was a restoration of order and peace Deliverance and restoration took place. Order and peace was restored to the land as the nation returned to God. Mothers, I want you to know, I want you to feel the absolute importance that you are. To your families, to the church to our culture regardless of how much our culture wants to demean motherhood wants to relegate it to a to a hobby or to something that you do after you've done everything else you want to do that if you want to be a mom that's fine that's for that's for that's for after you've done everything else that's really important as if somehow motherhood is not really important I want you to feel the absolute importance of your role in the family your role in our society we talk a lot about fatherlessness in our culture today because 33% of children born in homes are born in fatherless homes so we talk a lot about fatherless fatherlessness And the tragedy that it is. But that conversation should never in any way minimize the importance of motherhood. And the important role that mothers play in our society and in our culture. Mothers, your role in the family is much greater than to simply settle petty disputes between your children. Or to keep the house in order and to cook, and clean, and do daily chores of a housewife. It doesn't mean those aren't important. They're very important. And they're important for an important reason. Because all of those things speak of order and peace. Listen, if our homes aren't peaceful, if our homes are not orderly and ordered, how can we expect to have a peaceful and an orderly society? How can we expect the culture out here to be peaceful and orderly if it's not peaceful and orderly in our home? So moms, what you do every day that nobody else sees except you and your children and and the Lord is absolutely, extremely important. A successful day as a mother may mean no head trauma today. It may mean nothing seriously broken in the kids or in the home. It may mean that you actually got to serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and the kids got nap time as well. I mean, if you can achieve all that in one day, if you're a mother with small children, you might feel like, man, I just conquered the world. But yet, when you really listen to what our culture says that is seen as so petty and so tried and so small and so insignificant. And the temptation and the pull is that, women, you need to be out there doing something great for the world, great for our society. Go invent something. Go write something. Go do something big. As if raising your children is not big. Do you know how Israel came to forget? Because mothers and fathers forgot, and they didn't raise their children to know. They didn't raise their children to remember. And it reached a point that it was not even safe to live in cities, it was not even safe to travel on highways any longer. There was no peace, there was no safety, there was nothing except war and violence, and injustice, there was no one there to say, hey, stop, that's not right. Because it wasn't right that ruled, it was might that ruled. And if you can't see that that's where we're going today as a culture, you're blind. And if you don't understand that we are going there as a culture because we have taken Women, and we've taken mothers, and we've taken motherhood, and we've taken the family, and we have demeaned it, we have diminished it, we have minimized it, we've made women feel like who are housewives like they're doing something wrong, like they're lazy, and they're they're not uh, they're not assertive enough, they're not they don't have enough initiative in life. Oh, you must oh I guess you're a housewife because there's nothing else you can do. I'm telling you. You're a mother. You're a woman. Be proud. Don't feel like you have to become a man because God didn't make you a man. God blessed you to be a woman and be proud that you are a woman and not a man. Because you can do things that men could never dream of doing. You can do things that men were never meant to do. And men can do things that women were never meant to do. Because that's the way God created it. The power and the grace of God at work is that in all of those seemingly mundane tasks that you attempt each day, women, moms, listen to this. You are also judging Israel. You are pointing your children and your family to God. You're not settling for a lack of conflict. But you seek true peace that is found only in the true God. You judge idolatry as it relates to true worship of the true and living God. You judge the inherent sinfulness of humanity as revealed in your children, and you deal with it as God would have you deal with it. Or at least that's what you're called to do as a mom. Today, we have fallen so far, we have lowered the bar so far, that if we just raise our children, we think we've done something. Listen, all children are going to be raised. The question is, how are they going to be raised? What are they going to be raised up to? It's never a question of whether children will be raised. If you don't raise your children, fathers and mothers, the world will. They'll raise themselves. Someone, something will raise your children. You're a mother. Mothers don't heal wounds lightly, but you seek healing to the depth of the matter. You don't settle for less. You seek more. You seek more truth, more light, more peace, more hope, more love. And you seek it in the only place that it can be found, and that is in Christ. That's hard work. That's hard work. It's very often thankless work. It's work that seems to be unrewarded very often as our children do exactly what our book said. They stand there with their ears plugged, screaming, crying because they can't get their way, and you feel like just giving up because you've given it all you've got. You don't feel like you've got any more to give. But somewhere in the depths, By the grace of God, you're able because you realize if I don't do this, who will? If mothers don't rise up in Israel, then who is going to do this? Because God created you, God formed you, God designed you to do the very things that we're talking about here. Like Deborah, you are a mother who should not be afraid to call for the sword or the rod in order to put an end to the oppression of sin. You are a mother. You should wield the sword and wield the rod, wield the word of God and the correction of God because you love the children of Israel. You love your children of the covenant in Christ. People today are fond to say it takes a village to raise a child, when in truth it takes godly mothers to restore the village and see the children raised up in truth. It was a mother in Israel that restored the villages so the villages could raise the children. God did not create or ordain mothers to only produce children and make sure they live to adulthood. God ordained motherhood to produce children as a picture of the church who is called the mother of us all. Do you realize that? Galatians 4, 26. Paul calls the church the mother of us all. This is why Deborah is a picture of the church. And mothers aren't called to just produce children and produce numbers in the earth they're called to produce children and to raise them up to become the very likeness and the manifestation of Christ himself this is the church this is who we are as the church that are being brought up to maturity Paul says being conformed to the very image of the son of God Deborah says I arose a mother in Israel. Mothers are called, they're called to rise up so that you are able to raise up a generation that will not forget, that will remember, that will walk in the ways of the Lord. Mothers, you are called to rise up so that you can raise up those children. That means you are to raise up children, natural and spiritual, and you are to make sure that they are raised up rightly. That is, raised up to love and to walk in truth. The Apostle John penned these words recorded in, in the, his third letter, verse one, chapter 1, verse 4. I have no greater joy, John writes, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I want to ask you, mothers and fathers, I hope you can truly say that you have no greater joy than to see your children walk in truth. Can you think of a greater joy than to see your children walk in truth? We live in a day and an age when parents are living vicariously through their children. You guys know what that means? Means I wanted to be a I wanted to be a professional football player, but you know, I just wasn't I, I just couldn't make it. My mom would let me play football. My dad this, my Cousin that, my brother this, he broke my leg when I was five years old, so I couldn't run as fast. But boy, if he wouldn't have broke my leg, I know I'd have been in the NFL. But I'm going to make sure my boy gets the chance I never had. And so you push and you prod your children to become what you always wanted to be, and you're living vicariously through your children. That's not what God calls you to do. That's not what God calls us to do. God calls us to raise our children To become what he has ordained them to become. And first and foremost this is what God says we are to become. We are to become conformed to the image of the son of God. So mothers and fathers. Don't try to make your children what you want them to be. Raise them up to be what God has ordained them to be. And when we raise our children in our own image. When we raise our children in the image of the world. Or when we allow our children to raise, be raised up in any image that they desire. Because we, we, we're all about that today too. Autonomy. My children are autonomous beings. So however they grow up, whatever they want to grow up to be, great. If they grow up and want to go to church one day, then that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. The only problem is, when you let a child grow up, the way he or she wants to be, do what's right in their own eyes, the Bible is very clear, they'll do nothing but bring you to shame. Why? Because we are born sinful. And until we are born again, we can't be delivered from sin. You can't beat sin out of a child. It's a crime to try. But you can direct the child in the way they should go. You can model and be an example for your children. We have too many parents trying to make their children become something that the parents themselves are not willing to be. When we try to raise up our children in any image other than God's, it's sin, plain and simple, mothers, you are called to boldly raise up a nation. Deborah was called a mother in Israel. Your children represent nation, we represent a nation. Deborah arose a mother in Israel, and she led Israel to repentance and deliverance in her generation. She did not heal the wound lightly. she judged righteously and called for the sword and brought correction, and the land had rest for 40 years. At the end of her song, that's what it says, and the land had rest for 40 years. For her generation, the land had rest. Mothers, don't be afraid to rise up as mothers of Israel. Your children and your family desperately need you to. Your church desperately needs you to. Your culture desperately needs. Need you to. Husbands, support your wives as they mother your children. Don't wait till you have children. Not everybody here has, not every woman here has a child. Don't wait until you have children. Begin now. Begin to be the man and the woman, the husband and the wife, the father and the mother that you want your children to see. Not after you have children, become that before you have children. Start living that life now. Worship God now. Serve God now. Give all to God now so that when your children are born, they will hit the ground running and they will see and they will know this is normal. This isn't abnormal. This is normal. This is what God has created. This is what God has ordained. It's never too late. God knows how to redeem time. It doesn't matter how much time has gone by. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made because we've all made horrible mistakes. God knows how to redeem our mistakes. He knows how to redeem Our time. You can't live being responsible for somebody else's behavior. But you absolutely are ultimately responsible for your own behavior. So don't blame it on the lack of support that you might be experiencing. Know that God is there for you, He is your ever present help in time of need. What you are raising up, what the Scripture calls, is a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Motherhood has been entrusted to you and it is not for the faint of heart. You are in the business of judging nations. Listen to me, women. This is absolutely true. You are in the business of judging nations, of waging war, of bringing the rod and bringing the sword to bear, to bring the correction of God for the glory of His kingdom and for the glory of His name. Arise, arise, mothers in Israel. Order and judge your tribes and see the hand of the Lord. Bring salvation and deliverance and rest to your land. So here's my charge to you, mothers. And it is my charge to you, fathers, to you women and to all of us men to be encouraged and to be grateful that the Lord has graced our women to be women to be mothers I charge you to look to him for the grace to walk boldly in that calling Men, I charge you to walk side by side and to be there to support, to lead, to cover, to protect, so that the mothers of Israel can do what God has raised them up to do and ordained them to do for his glory. Amen.